0: Everyone, take your Bibles, turn to Acts 1, please. Acts chapter 1. We're beginning a series called To the Ends of the Earth. I'd like to walk us through um, the first chapter of Acts. This is a six week series on uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. What is the purpose of the church? And uh, the book of Acts gives us, I believe, a, in some ways a roadmap, a, a guide, a, a history. It's all of these things. So I'm going to look just at the six different passages from the book of Acts over the next six weeks. We, for those of you who have been around Fullness a long time, you remember we did, we did a whole study of the book of Acts probably 10 years ago. And there's some messages worth repeating, aren't there? I mean, there's some things you don't get on just one time or whatever you got the first time, you get something different the second. And so there are some aspects of this message that I'm going to repeat, but I'm repeating it because I believe it's crucial. I believe it's crucial. Plus, we have new people who are part of fullness, all that going together saying, for the old, we need to hear it again. For the new, you need to hear it probably again. So we're gonna look at Acts chapter one. So turn there with me. It says in Acts chapter one, verses um, starting at verse one. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And it says, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So, a little background without going too much in depth. Luke-Acts is a two-volume set. We're we're jumping into the sequel. Acts is the sequel to the gospel of Luke. Um, We're going to study Luke, by the way, starting at Advent in December and going all the way through May. I haven't preached through the book of Luke, so if you want to kind of read ahead, we're going to look through the whole Gospel of Luke. Um, It's going to take us a while. You you just don't breeze through Luke. It takes a little while to look at, so we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, but this is the second volume, and the beginning of the first volume also starts with a recommendation of this dude, Theophilus, who we don't really know who he was, um, but it's obvious that Luke, who wrote Luke and Acts, is writing to this guy Theophilus and and attempting to help him believe that Jesus is the Messiah, is the Christ, who he says he is. So Luke, the gospel, deals with from before Jesus' birth, you know all the pre-birth stories that we get about Elizabeth and Zacharias and Mary, all the way up through his resurrection and 40 days after his resurrection. Then Acts picks up right where Luke ends. It's, a, it's an immediate follow with Jesus talking to his followers. And he's about to ascend into heaven. And the church is going to be more a lot of things are going to happen. Some of which we're going to talk about today and then in in, in the weeks ahead. So he's setting it up saying to Theophilus. Now, some people have argued about why it's just, why it's two volumes even. Why not just keep going with the thing? And so, some people have talked about how, I don't even know if this is true or not, but it sounds good, that a typical scroll was like 37 feet long. And if you rolled it up, that that's about as much as you could carry around. You know, we didn't have books, you know, like this. And we definitely didn't have iPads. I got like hundreds of books on this thing. And um, But back then it was written on a scroll. And so Luke is a pretty long volume. And then Acts is a pretty long volume. So he divided it up in two so it could be carried around. I I don't know if that's the case. It's a great story though, right? It sounds good. Probably true. Could be close. Anyway, Jesus is talking uh, to his followers here uh, and setting them up for what's what's to come. And notice this. He says... um, uh, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did. What's this word? Began to do. Now, here's what's interesting. Luke carries from birth to 40 days after the resurrection, which means Jesus is right now going to ascend. And yet, Luke, when he sets up the book of Acts, says, this is what Jesus began. In other words, Jesus is not done. You know, he's not saying this is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus began to do. And I think that's crucial for us as the church of Jesus Christ to understand. That there is, Jesus is not a historical figure who established a religion that was then carried out by his followers. Jesus is God piercing the darkness into humanity. And beginning God's work of redemption that's carried out through not only his ascension, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, but his pouring out of the presence and power of the Spirit of God on the people of God in order that we would become the body of Christ here on the earth. And that's really part of what the book of Acts is telling us about. Now, I don't know if your Bibles have this, some Bibles have like, Acts of the Apostles, Acts of the Church, Acts of this, Acts of that. Acts is just called Acts. Uh, It's really not a definition of what it's the Acts of. Now, it's going to be the church. And we're going to see the history of the church in what follows. But it is... I'm going to feed forward just a little bit. I'm going to go off the rails just a minute. Because I I, I really want us to understand what it is we're about to look at. Because this week, next week, the week after is is so critical. It's so critical for us because we've been given a mandate. And this mandate is found in Acts 1.8. So Jesus is, it's 40 days after the resurrection. Are you with me historically where we are? Jesus has been raised from the dead, teaching his followers. And what's he been teaching them about? The kingdom, the kingdom of God. And then right before he goes up, and I'll look at some other verses in a minute, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is gonna give his followers, gives his followers this mandate. Go and tell the world about me. If you look in Matthew, the end of Matthew, he says, go and teach. Go and be my witnesses, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Jesus tells his followers to start in Jerusalem go to Judea and Samaria that's the region that surrounds them and then to the rest of the world the end of the earth and this is going to this is going to give us an outline really in some ways for the whole book of acts Jerusalem chapters 1 through 7 Judea Samaria chapters what is that 8 through 12 and then the rest of the world so by the end of acts the message of Jesus Christ is going to move from these 120 followers that he's gathered together in Jerusalem until it's preached in the very capital city of Rome. In Philippians, we see that even the household of Caesar has received the message of Christ. Now, we don't, it's hard to wrap our heads around this. It would be like, I can't, even, I can't even compare it, really. But let's say we've got 120 people in this room, approximately. This is it. This is everybody. I'm going to trust the entire redemption of humanity to you. And let's just pretend that you've never, ever left Alabama. In your entire lives, you've never been anywhere, probably, but really, Jefferson County. That's the limit of your... And now I'm saying to you, wait, Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and then you're going to go be my witnesses, not only here, but to the rest of the state and the south and to the very ends of the earth. Go get them. I mean, we can't even wrap our heads around this mandate that he gives this 120 followers you know it's it's think about it he's been ministering three years and really this is the this is the circle this 120 this is the group that he's really there have been a lot of other followers and people who've been around but this is really the core and he's saying to him, i want you to i want you to go most of us have traveled or you know i went to mississippi yesterday that seemed like the end of the earth (laughs) i'm just joking i took my last daughter to college you can celebrate with me it was the final move-in day after 12 years of move-in days of kids to college this was it for me turn the page we're sad and thrilled at the same time our youngest daughter's a senior this year so Where was I? Oh, I went to Mississippi. These guys have been nowhere, really, as far as we know. add on that, the fact that that Judaism was considered a small religious sect in the overall context of the Roman Empire. And these guys, these guys had some attitudinal issues with uh, those who weren't Jewish. And so Jesus is saying, take this gospel, not only geographically, but they don't even realize it yet. But he's really saying take it to all the peoples. It's gonna have, there's going to be some breakthroughs that come as a result of the Holy Spirit. This is the mandate of the church. Take the gospel. Take the gospel to the end of the earth. I'm going to come back to it. I said I was going to feed forward. Here's my issue. We've lost the mandate. Not just us, but the church has lost the mandate of the gospel to be witnesses, to share it to the end of the earth. What is the purpose of the church? Again, I, I have to believe, based on what I read from the book of Acts, it, we are not a social organization. We do that. We're not, we're not a, we are not a care organization, though we do that. In other words, I give a cup of water, right? I care for people. But why do I give a cup of water? I give it in the name of Jesus. I give it glorifying God. It has to all come back to the mandate of glorifying his name in all the earth. We're not an education institution, though we do that. The mandate of the church is to share Jesus with the world ultimately it's got to come down to that if we lose sight of that then we lose sight everything else we do will become watered down it'll become just that and again those just things are not bad things they're good things but ultimately it's about sharing the gospel with the world okay what is it we've got this mandate here's the message he says but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Al-Judea, and to the ends of the earth. The message we've been given is the message of Jesus Christ. We've been given this message. In other words, <clears throat> I get a little excited about this. As you can tell, it's I love education. I love knowledge. I love reading. I mean, it's a passion of mine. Anybody who knows me and has been around me very much, I I love almost every kind of genre of reading and literature. I mean, I, I dip my toes in a lot of different ones, probably some that aren't that godly. Just forgive me and let's move on. But I like knowledge. But ultimately, Christianity is not about knowledge. He doesn't go and say, just teach them stuff. He said, show them me, right? Show that you are me on this earth. You as the church, you're me. Show them me. Now, there's going to be stuff we teach, but that's not who we are. The message is not about a system of knowledge. The the message is about a person, a living Christ. And I think that's why Luke makes it a big deal that, that Jesus... He's been with them for 40 days through a lot of ways, proving to them. I don't know what you got to do to prove to them you're alive, but proving to them it's him and he's alive, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And now he goes, you go be my witnesses. Go show me to the the world. And how are we going to do it? but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I've talked about this so many times. I feel like for those of you who've been here a long time, I really apologize, but I'm going to say it again. We have no hope of doing this without the power of the Spirit on us. We got no, we have No ability. As I've said a number of times, I was raised Baptist, born Baptist, whole life Baptist, Baptist college, Baptist seminary, Baptist. Love my Baptist heritage. Great Commission is, you know, right next to John 3.16 is our favorite verse. Go. But the thing I missed for at least 20-something years of my existence was where Jesus says, All authority has been given to me. Now go. And then this passage which says, but wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then go in power. See, how did Jesus receive the authority of God? I I believe it's by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. I mean, he was God in the flesh. We, We don't understand this. Um, fully God, fully man. But Jesus did say, I can only do what I, I can only say what I hear the Father saying, I can only do what the Father tells me to do. I mean, there's some Spirit of God. I believe Jesus is passing on this authority to his followers. The authority of the power of the Spirit to be upon them in order to accomplish. Now, this is, theologians have debated this for A long time and are going to continue to do so but we as followers of Jesus Christ however you want to frame it the only way we can go and accomplish this mandate with this message this mission if it were is by the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells us and then fills us his power his might his presence upon us The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what we're to do. Prepare. Preach. By the empowering presence of God in our lives. We need the power of the Spirit. We have to have the power of the Spirit. Here's my problem. Actually, I gave um, Gabe Golden Week next week because he's got Acts 2. Um, but I'm going to steal the message. So um, just hang with me just for a second. Um, we, we are, for lack of a better term, a charismatic evangelical Baptist church, whatever that mix looks like. We fully embrace the Word of God. We fully embrace the Spirit of God. I understand how trying to do the Christian life without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and filling you is a dead-end street. I mean, I've been there. I've been on that dead end. I've run into that wall a number of times. I've had my nose bloodied as a result of trying to do it myself, do it myself, just, you know, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I can't, I can't, I can't. Only by the power of the Spirit indwelling me can, I, can we, can I, can any of us accomplish living the Christian life as a, as a norm. Much less sharing this gospel with the world around us. We need the power, we have to have the power and presence of the Spirit of God. There is no option. Hang with me for a second. So what is the mission of the church right now, in this age, in this period? It's to share the gospel, right? Do you not agree? Okay, to share the gospel. How are we going to do it? The power and the presence of the Spirit of God on us. So what's the whole gifts of the Spirit about? What's all the, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 and... First Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. What's that got to do with anything? Here's what, thanks for asking. Um, this is what I believe it has to do with. Look, we are the church of Jesus Christ, correct? We are his, his body now. Why are spiritual gifts given according to First Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4? The equipping of the saints for the building up of? The body of Christ, for the building up of the body of Christ. But why is the body of Christ built up? To share the gospel, right? Are are you still with me? So spiritual gifts are given for the building up of the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can then share the gospel with the world. So we, at times, we pick and choose what we like of all of this message without putting it all together to see. Here's what Acts 1 is telling us. Jesus, the gospel, died, resurrected, about to be ascended to the right hand of God. The Father says to his followers, go and wait. Spirit of God is going to come upon you. You're going to become the body of Christ. You're going to go and be my witnesses. Be built up as the body of Christ. Be strong. How? By the power of the Spirit. That's what spiritual gifts bring, so that you can share the gospel. Uh, We we believe that all the gifts of the Spirit are available for today. Now, you may come from a different background. You don't believe all the gifts of the Spirit are available today. I'm not going to get into the argument of that discussion, but we all have to, at some point, agree there is a thing called spiritual gifts. Otherwise, we're going to ignore the Bible. And those spiritual gifts are given for the building up of the body, so that the gospel will be proclaimed. Why, do we, why would we bother to have a service? Thursday night is a great example. We have a, we, I'd love for you to come, Chris and Tom and Cindy lead a, a service, kind of a prophetic ministry service. Why do we have that? For the building up of the body of Christ, so that the gospel will be proclaimed. If all that service were to be was just Kind of a little internal thing, a little show for the Christians, a little time of, but the gospel doesn't come out of it, we've missed the mark. Do you understand? Charismatic Pentecostals in a large part have missed the mark. They've taken the sign and the wonder and they've stopped at the sign rather than going to where the sign points toward. They, they just camp out at the sign saying, This sign is so great. Tuscaloosa, 42 miles. I love that sign. You know, they just love the sign so much that they forget where the sign is pointing. The sign, we're going to see in the book of Acts, Holy Spirit's going to come, fill people with power. Things are going to happen. With Peter, John, go to the crippled guy who's begging. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I'm going to give you. What do they have? They got Jesus. I'm going to give you Jesus. Clear healing. Gospel is proclaimed. Whenever signs and wonders are in the book of Acts, they're accompanied by a proclamation of the gospel. It's about giving Jesus. So, here's the rest of the book. I mean chapter, not the whole book. Don't panic. I know I would if I were you. Here's what goes on and happens. On one occasion while he was eating with them, He gave them this command. Do not, I'm backing up into verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. By the way, I'll say this again. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is mentioned seven times in the New Testament. Six of the seven times, it's a contrast between the baptism of John and the baptism of Jesus. Um, I'll baptize you with fire. I'll baptize, You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We use baptism of the Holy Spirit much broader in, in these days. But that, that's neither here nor there. He says to them, here's what you're supposed to do. And I think this is preparation for us at times. Wait. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Wait, he tells them, until. Now, if this may not be a big deal to you, but I would have said, how long? Right? He just says, wait until. Now, we know it's going to be 10 days because we've seen the story. It's going to be 10 days before the Holy Spirit comes. But they didn't know that. They just got to go wait until. I would have gone, I, honestly. I, there probably had been 119 people by day seven or eight. Ten days is a long time to wait when you don't know when and how long you're going to wait. Some of us need to take a step back and wait. I mean, we've got the power of the Spirit. I know we live in a different age. But there are some things before we rush into things, we need to wait on God. I'm not real good at waiting. i, I got to be honest. If I get an idea, feel like I've heard from God, let's go. Let's get it done. How, how, what, what's it going to take for us to get from point A to point B? Sometimes to get, get from point A to point B is to just wait. Last week I talked to you about planning. I think planning is a good thing. I told you I'm an over planner. I mean, you can go, if you weren't here, you can go listen to the sermon. I thought it was pretty good. But I'm an over-planner uh, in everything I do. But you know, again, the problem with planning is you've got to predict where the future is. Right? I've got to be able to predict what's going to happen out here in order for my plan to be effective. Are you with me? I mean, if I'm going to go from here to there, I've got to see where there is. The problem with my there is I I i I'm not a good. I, my predictions are off. I don't know what's going to happen. Therefore, what happens when I back up and my predictions off? Well, that means my plan's not so good. I, I think there's a better way in the kingdom of God, and I'm not minimizing planning because I preached a whole sermon on it last week. And again, I thought it was pretty good. Um, but the point is this: really, in the kingdom of God, we prepare, we get ready. And then, when things happen, we participate, so that I'm ready when God moves to move with him. I I don't think that's minimizing planning. I I think it's walking hand in hand with planning. But at some point, I've got to be ready. And to be ready, at times, I have to wait because I don't know what the future may hold. Not only that, I need to be able to listen. This is where I really wanted to hang out. I'm I'm not going to have that much time. I should wait. Nah. Um, so he goes on and says, So when, you, so when they met together, <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. Verse six. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? This kills me. This, you don't think this is near as funny as I think it's funny. I mean, think about it 40 days he's been raised from the dead. He's teaching them, he's about to leave. He says, Go wait. He's going to tell them to go wait until the Spirit of God is upon them. But what do they care about? Is this it? Is the kingdom kingdom going to be reestablished? Oh, man. I could get in so much trouble here. We can't help ourselves with the whole kingdom thing now on earth. You know they're they're looking and their question is really has so many layers but they're really saying we want Israel restored to a political kingdom power is this the time because they thought that's what the Messiah came even after three years even after the crucifixion even after the resurrection they have a mindset of the restoration of Israel being free from the bonds of Rome being a political power, as well as a religious power, but being a power on the, is now the time it's going to be restored. We can't help ourselves but see the same thing at times. God, when is America going to come back? I, I know I shouldn't go here, but I'm going to. When is America going to be back to its glory? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that the glory that America supposedly was was never really as great as we think it was that's my view it was always it was good and i'm not minimizing america i'm just saying we are the people of god we have a higher call than an elevation of a political power we have a message that there is a savior who wants to redeem you from the pit of hell from the death that you're in spiritually and have you walk in life now and for all eternity now God's going to use America. I'm not minimizing who we are. I, I'm very I, honestly. I'm very nationalistic. I still get choked up at, when I do watch the Olympics and somebody gets a gold medal and the national anthem. I cry almost every time. I get all choked up. I'm very national. But that America's restoration as a political and national power is way down on my list of things that God has called me to do. God has called me to preach the gospel. God has called me to build the kingdom. God has called me to minister life in the church. Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? He says to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. Here's the other extreme. We are enamored with eschatology. We are enamored with the end times. When's Jesus going to come back? When's Jesus going to come back? That's kind of what they're, in some ways, they're asking. He's saying, it's not for you to know the type day. He doesn't even answer, he doesn't even come close to answering the question. He doesn't even say you've got the wrong question. He doesn't even say your question is so far off you really shouldn't have even asked it. As a matter of fact, it's not going to happen. Or he could have said anything. Because I, I don't, I don't really know. He doesn't even buy. He just says it's not for you to know. Wait a minute. I need to know everything before I go. Wait, I, I need to know it. Here's what's really fascinating: when he says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. My understanding, and I usually ask Dave these Greek questions when we run together. But I had to go to Mississippi yesterday, so I couldn't run with Dave. So I couldn't ask my theological questions, make sure my Greek is right. But let's just pretend. And if it's not. Just go with me. The word end there is the word eschaton, which is, it's singular, to the end of the earth. And the word eschaton is the word from which we get eschatology. So not, there's an aspect of this where Jesus says, I will be with you even unto the very end of the age. I I, I think he's talking both geographically, to the end of the world. And chronologically to the end of the world. In other words, it's not for you to know. But you're going to receive power and you're going to keep sharing the gospel. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, geographically to the very end of the earth. And you're going to keep proclaiming it to the very end till I return again. So, listen. Now both of those things are true even if that Greek word is a little off. But I like it. So we'll go with it for right now, okay? And most of you aren't going to go look in your Greek Bibles tonight anyway. They all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. His family is part of the 120. They're in unity together. They are all in one accord. My kids used to joke. This is about Jesus drove a Honda. Because they all are on a court. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dottie. Thanks. You know, and there are old jokes about uh, Jesus says if two or three are gathered there, there I am in the midst of them. And if we can ever find two or three people to ever agree about anything, he's going to be there. But we can't, you know, if the church ever does agree about anything. The church was in unity together seeking after God. They were praying together. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and married the mother of Jesus with the brother. They were praying. They were. There was an order to everything they were doing. Look, I could, I could preach a sermon on everyone, and I've already kind of taken you to some kind of thoughtful, hopefully, places. But one of the fascinating parts about this is Peter gets up and talks about it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. What is he talking about? He's talking about replacing Judas. I would have said, you know, 11's plenty. Yeah. You know, really, 11's, 11's great. But they knew the word of God. They knew there needed to be 12. 12 tribes of Israel, 12 of, you know, 12 of us, there needs to be 12. Needs to be 12. So they established, they, they walked in order, even in the midst of their unknowing, their waiting, their prayer, while they're preparing, they said, we're going to follow God's order. And sometimes people who follow after the Holy Spirit forget that God has an order. You know, it, as I said last week, sometimes it's either the Spirit of God or the Word of God, and we need both, fully embracing God's order in things in order to walk. Now, is this not fascinating? How did they choose this 12th guy? They didn't. I I find it fascinating they didn't vote. Okay, there are 120 of us. Let's vote on who's going to be the 12th. Everybody who thinks it's this guy, raise your hand, this guy, raise your hand. No, they, they, they drew lots. Okay. Some kind of bag with Probably his name written on a chip in it. And they shook the bag up and they reached in and they go, okay, you're it. You're the 12th apostle. Seems kind of haphazard, doesn't it? (laughs) They trusted God that much. God's going to show us. This is a fascinating chapter to me. This whole get ready. You know, and right in the middle of the chapter, I didn't even talk about Jesus leaves them. He's gone. <laughs> and it cracks it, because they're just like standing there staring up at heaven. Jesus is gone and an angel or a messenger appears and says, the same Jesus, he's going to reappear in like manner. I mean, they're just so staring. They, they needed an angel to say, that's it. That's the end. That's, that, that's it. He'll be back someday, but now's not the time. Because they were probably thinking, Jesus, what are you going to do? Yeah, when we, we say, wait, here? I've told you the story, and I'm going to close with this and pray. And A couple of years ago, we went with Rob and Shannon to Israel, and just through a haphazard set of events, we end up in a cab with a guy named Wally, who's, who's wearing a Make America Great Again cap, and he's going to take us to Bethlehem, and... You know, Rob and I are all into it, and the, the girls, they are not into this at all. You know, we're paying this guy $100 to take us to Bethlehem in a cab we've never seen, and we heard we shouldn't go to Bethlehem, but we're going to go anyway because Wally's going to take us there, and he has friends. And we get in the car with Wally, and I'm in the front seat. Rob's in the back seat with Shannon and Kathy. We're talking, and he says, where have you been? here?" Because we're on the Mount of Olives, okay, which is right across from Jerusalem. We're at a church, and he's outside of it, and he goes, where you been? I so, oh, we went to the Church of the Ascension today. Which church of the Ascension did you go to? Well, we went to this one. He goes, oh, no, that's not the real one. And I'm like, there's more than one? He, and he's like, yeah, there are like five of them here. And he goes, but I know the real one. I know the real Church of the Ascension. He goes, "It's also a place John the Baptist was beheaded. I'll take you into that chapel. He had his head cut off. Jesus ascended from right there. And I'm like, really? Yeah, well, I, I know the nuns there. We'll go. We'll go. This is an Arab guy. <laughs> so this is the time we pull up to this big metal gate with this huge wall. And Wally is honking his horn at the big metal gate. And Shannon's in the back texting her daughter saying, if I die, <laughs> this is where you can find my body. Whatever this location is right here. They open the gate, and we drive onto these church grounds, and it is this huge, private kind of orthodox church where Jesus sent. And unlike the earlier one that I'd been to, it was kind of a mountainside kind of. And as I was preparing this sermon, I was just thinking of as dumbfounded as we were this day, how dumbfounded they must have been that day. Just like clueless, like, what what, what next? They're going to go wait 10 days, and then everything is going to change. Today, if you're here and you are in a place where you're like, I I don't know what God is doing, I don't know where I'm going, I don't know, I want to encourage you, prepare your heart, receive the Holy Spirit, Know that your call is to share the gospel no matter what. There may be other decisions that need to be made. But receive him. And walk in the power of the Spirit, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to the world around. Lord, we thank you this morning. And I pray that our hearts and minds will be ready for your purposes and plans to be accomplished on this earth. Lord, we are the church of Jesus Christ. We've been called after your name. We have have been founded by you and and given the message of reconciliation. We are your ambassadors, and we want to do all the stuff you told us to do, Lord. But God, I pray that today we would realize we can only do it by your empowering presence in us and among us. So, Holy Spirit, come, and may we take this gospel to the end of the earth. Let it begin in our homes, with our families, and our children, and our schools, and our workplace, and our uh, neighbors, city around us, our state. May be transformed by the gospel, and then may it keep just pressing forward, pressing forward to the end of the earth. But it's not by our might or our power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Well, amen. This time we're going to take up an offering at fullness. We you giving as an extension of a life touched by grace and so we encourage you to to give your tithes and offerings from that place this morning there's ways you can give digitally uh, on the